So, here we are. We said we'd do two podcasts a week and we were pathetically underprepared. <laughs> it's the third and possibly not the last, oh God, what now of the, week, of, of the week. God knows what might happen next. I'm Andrew Harrison and it seems that it is going to be lettuce versus tofu in the grand final. As the uh, coagulated bean curd saw off Home Secretary Suella Braverman on Wednesday, then the popular solid bedrock has beaten 44-day Prime Minister Liz Truss. She hit an iceberg. This now means that she is the owner of several enviable records. Shortest-serving UK Prime Minister ever, George Canning managed 119 days, and he had the excuse of dying of tuberculosis. Jedward <laughs> lasted longer on The X Factor than she did as Prime Minister, and she's the first Prime Minister never to have an episode of Doctor Who broadcast under her premiership since 1963. With me for an emergency cast are Ros Taylor in the studio. Hi, Ros. Hello, Andrew. How are you feeling? I mean... <sighs> We're laughing, but I also want to cry. I'm just so angry that they are inflicting this on us again. Stay strong, stay strong. We're going to work out together. And coming down the line, it's Alex Andreo. Hello, Alex. Hi. Hi, Roz. Hi, Andrew. How are you feeling? Um... Well, I, I've been on the Best of Britain feed today, so I've been following it all in excruciating detail. It's just bizarre. I mean, I've ne- we keep saying... It's unprecedented, and I've never seen another day like this, but I genuinely have never seen anything like this before. Beyond ridiculous and beyond stupid. So let's start with a question that's on everybody's lips. What the actual fuck? Words are almost not enough to encapsulate the stupidity, the indulgence, the wanton, petty idiocy of what we've just seen. Yeah, I mean, I I feel a profound sense of disgust, to be honest, because... Obviously, Truss has resigned, but now we have another week of intense Tory psychodrama inflicted on us. I wish I could just go to sleep and not wake up for another week so I don't have to exist through that hell, followed by months of notional stability that will actually consist of firefighting the crises that we all know are coming this winter and suppressing constant rebellions by the Tory headbangers. And all the time, the government just becoming more and more illegitimate and more and more powerless to address the problems facing this country. Alex, if I were to address the question, what the actual fuck to you, what would you say? I mean, the writing was on the wall, for sure, uh, after yesterday's unprecedented mess, Um, especially the stuff with the chief whip and the deputy chief whip. I mean, that was just incredible. Schrodinger's whip. Because they... Sacked and not sacked. They resigned and then unresigned... But the key thing here is that they unresigned by a message to journalists that went out of Downing Street in the middle of the night. Quite literally, a text went out after 1 a.m. saying, no, no, they're back in the job. And I think, I suspect what happened was actually by that point, they decided that it was Liz Truss that would probably go. So she said, look, don't, you know, don't go quite yet. I've only got a week. Stay in, see it out. Things escalated this morning when uh, Graham Brady uh, went to meet Liz Truss, especially because of the way that happened, because it was publicly confirmed, because he went in through one of the, I mean, he went in through the back door, but one of the doors that journalists watch. You can certainly go through the tunnels underneath without being seen by anyone. So the fact that this was a public meeting and was confirmed, and then Jake Berry was called in, who's chairman of the Conservative Party, and that really was the sign that she was resigning because 
If she's not, there's no reason to involve someone who speaks for the membership, effectively. She's, she's been a disaster. She's been a disaster from day one, and she couldn't even deliver her resignation speech properly. Even that was boring and sort of full of mistakes. Well, Ros, I wanted to ask you, does she now go down as the most disastrous leader in British political history? Because I've been trying to think of others that did not involve things like being conquered by the Danes or something. Yeah, I think she does. I mean, I'm no expert on 18th and 19th century, uh, early 19th century, certainly British political history, but I think we can say that. And of course, that will be music to the ears of one man whom previously we have described as Britain's worst prime minister, but who now I think we can probably say wasn't. Yeah, that's the that's the actual worst thing about this whole episode. And we'll t- we'll talk about that particular individual a little bit later <laughs> because I'm putting it off because I don't want to have to think about it. But what struck me was that this was while her own incompetence and her own blunt, boneheaded uh, uh, sort of convictions all put in the wrong direction that she could plough on. Besides that, it's also, it was mass incompetence. What we saw yesterday and what we've seen all week is a total systems failure of the entire party. It didn't look like there was a single functioning adult or thinking human being involved. No. And this is the terrifying thing. And this is the, the stage we have reached. They simply could not move against her soon enough. They kept thinking, maybe the party can come together. Maybe we can coalesce around someone and then kick around once we've agreed on someone. But the fact is the party cannot agree on anyone. There is no unity candidate. Because Sunak, for all that they, if he does come into power, will be presented as a safe pair of hands, a technocrat who won't scare the markets anymore, does not command much loyalty in the party. And they will continue to tear themselves apart. And this, you know, there will be an intense, completely abstract desire for unity, which they are now, as a party, incapable, completely incapable of achieving. I mean, we could all see this coming. We all knew she was going to be terrible. It's, but it was a standing joke on the podcast all summer. We've run out of trust puns. We've run out of ways of saying she's a joke. Have we learned anything else from this particular episode from what we've seen over the past couple of days? We've learned that there is a tensile strength to what the markets are willing to accept. I think that the, the truly extraordinary thing about what's happening here is that this is what occasionally and only occasionally happens to parties when they lose an election badly while they're in opposition. I cannot think of a single example of this happening to a party after a triumphant landslide election victory. That's what's so extraordinary, that it's defeat that tends to trigger this amount of infighting and navel-gazing. And in this particular case, this is a party that should have been, you know, laughing all the way to implementing whatever agenda they wanted. And instead, they have turned on each other. And it's just, it's disgusting to see. It's quite frightening. I mean, you know, these are people with nuclear codes. Um, And it was the most annoying thing is that it was all so predictable. When when it was declared that the final two that would go to the membership were Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss, on the first day of that, we did a podcast, and I was absolutely certain it would be Sunak that got selected because she's an idiot and she's crackers. And this is so obvious to anyone looking from the outside that she would be in 
entirely out of her depth. And still the party looked at her and thought, yep, she kind of does a Maggie Thatcher thing. That's good enough for us. And they're the same people to whom we're now giving the choice to to select someone else. Well, this is it. Exactly, because this has not solved any problem of any kind. The same blue rinse headbangers, the same gerontocracy that runs the Conservative Party is still there. It hasn't changed. And more than anything, it has, it has not and will not change its opinions. So where do we go, Ros, from here? Oh, that's a $64,000 question, isn't it? I mean, I... <laughs> that worth £64,000, yes. I think we go to a place where the party attempts to frame itself now as a tedious but competent, safe pair of hands. And yet what we have coming down the line this winter will make it impossible to sustain that myth because we have growing public uh, sector strikes. We have the possibility of a million workers striking on the same day, NHS staff, teaching staff. That is not going away. We have the possibility, possibly even probability of blackouts this winter. We have the prospect potentially of of Putin using a nuclear weapon. We have the the cost of living crisis, people struggling to keep themselves warm. None of these things can be effectively tackled by a government that has no legitimacy in in the public eye because we know what they're opinion ratings are at the moment and which, as you say, will have been chosen again by a group of people completely unrepresentative of the rest of the country. That's a very kind way of putting it. I was going to say like a zombie legion of angry pensioners, which is essentially (laughs) what they are, you know, World War Z. Although, can I just say, um, I thought that was the case before anyway. So I think in that respect, we're in no worse shape than we were with someone in number 10 that had a a minus 80 approval rating, minus 80 negative plus 10. So I I thought we were heading for sort of massive civil disorder and a general election, even if Listras had stayed. I guess that was the calculation also within the Tory party that our position cannot possibly get worse from here on in. There are two voting intention polls out in the last couple of hours, and they are the two most resistant ones so far to the uh, to the Labour lead. So they show a, a lead of 29 points and 31 points. So they're the two that had been lagging behind in terms of what the polling difference is. I do think a general election is inevitable within a few months. I simply cannot see how this party can continue in power. I know that there is no constitutional route that we can see that brings one about. But as we have seen from the things from Brexit itself and things that have happened since the Brexit vote, events can move in ways that political pundits are very bad at predicting. And I do not I do not see this government lasting more than Three or four months. Well, it depends who the leader is, and maybe we should go crazy and do some of that exciting <laughs> runners and riders stuff that everybody likes so much. We're not going to talk about Johnson until until we talk about everybody else. Um, all right, Sunak, highly, you know, the only sensible one, but the party hates him. So, what's what's in this changed landscape? Does he have a shot? Oh, absolutely, he has a shot. I mean, he's um, 
he has a problems in the party in that he there are a lot of MPs who don't like him, but it is he has been proven to be right of what he warned about, what he warned would happen if Trust took over and if she implemented the policies she wanted. So he has that on his side. Uh, the markets will not be scared by Rishi Sunak. He can work in tandem with somebody like Jeremy Hunt, I think, quite easily. He will appoint a cabinet, which, while not especially talented, is not does not contain headbangers of the like of, you know, Suella Bra- Braverman. And uh, there, I think he has he has a good chance of of taking it. Well, the Conservative Party membership really doesn't like. Hate to say, I told you so. Does it? They really won't like that. I don't know though. They they're keen on survival. This is, this is true. Uh, Alex, you spotted that Penny Mordaunt was perhaps out of the traps with indecent haste. And several others, uh, I have to say. There are loads of people scoping. Braverman apparently is one. Uh, Badenoch certainly is too. Brandon Lewis is meant to be considering it. Is this just Squid Game where the same fucking contestants turn out every week and one of them gets yeah. killed, but you have to well, see them again and in, again and in again? In part it is. In part it is. But in part, I think it's quite a revealing thing, right? Because the the argument against a, a general election that would be will be trotted out ad nauseum in the next few months will be that what the country needs now is stability rather than an election, right? But if you want to know how much this party cares about the stability of the country, just look at the number of people throwing their hat in their ring right at this moment. If they cared about the stability of this country, they'd all get in a fucking room and decide on one person and say, right, this is it. It'd for be the great if they went months. into a room to decide on somebody and come and said, yeah, it's Keir Starmer, actually. We've decided. You see, <laughs> you, have the, you have this bowl of shit. Take it away. Now, we're going to have to talk about it. Deep breath. Boris Johnson, surely to God, they would not have the effrontery to do this. The MPs wouldn't. But now that this decision is partly in the hands of the membership, that does open up a path for Boris Johnson to return because Mm. he is still popular among them, certainly a lot more popular than Sunak. And his great trump card, if you can call it that... I think you should call it that. Very, very accurate thing to call it. (laughs) Is that, you know, he was the last Tory PM to have actually won a general election. So in that sense, he has the legitimacy to continue to serve without having to go to the country and say, look, I know I haven't, you know, uh, you haven't really approved of me. So I I really ought to test uh, test myself out and see if I can win a general election. Now, Mm. I'm not saying that Penny Mordaunt or um, Wishy Sunak would do that, but they might well be constantly haunted by the fact that they were not, like Gordon Brown was, by the fact that they uh, were not chosen by the country and he can say that he was but i mean surely what the country wants with a change of leadership is a change you cannot simply turn up with a, you know a repeat from 2019 and say hey guys remember the great way it used to be the electorate has changed the electorate was already filled with disgust at boris johnson when he was prized out of of number 10 yes exactly he was he was on average 10 to 12 points behind at that point from having been 22 points ahead. So whatever rose-tinted spectacles look back to some rosy Johnson era, I don't understand. And the other thing that I think, although I agree, there is an argument there, a weird argument that, well, he's the person that got initially the mandate, so there's nothing doing there. But 
there is another side of it that's incredibly difficult to explain to the electorate. When they when their direct debits start going out for next month mortgages, and they're three and four and five hundred and six hundred pounds more, it will be very difficult to go to the electorate and say, "Oops, sorry about that. Forget the last six months. We're just going back to the starting blocks. Only this time, everyone's on fire." I think the Tory party has entirely lost touch with what the electorate thinks and wants and is now so caught up in this endless soap opera that it has it has no brain space anymore for what <laughs> ordinary people might think or want. It is consumed by this this work of devouring itself. I think uh Johnson's moves are bogus by the way. Um, it seems to me an entirely Johnson thing to do to get his media proxies like Harry Cole and Christopher Hope to basically, yeah, 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 just chuck that grenade in. Just, yeah, just say I'm flying back from the Caribbean just to create more chaos. I don't think he has any serious intention of running for the leadership again because I think there is a good chance A, his MPs would reject him and B, that even if they accepted him, I don't think he has any particular appetite for sorting out this mess, and he would likely lose the next election. Boris Johnson will want to come back in five or ten years' time as the saviour of the Tory party that can lead them to victory again. I think this is entirely bogus. This is entirely what he described when he was a Brussels correspondent. He's just chucking rocks over the fence to the neighbor's greenhouse. That's what he's doing. And we shouldn't take it seriously because I honestly don't think he, he'll go for it. This is literally just him trolling his own party. Yeah, I mean, and Cincinnatus has not had time to get his plough out, yet alone, <laughs> let alone actually yeah. start, start yeah. Uh, in the field. <laughs> well, just finally then, before we wrap up, what I hope for to God is the last one of yeah. the week, but it may well not be. <laughs> Uh, how will history remember Liz Truss? Will it remember Liz Truss? With pity. Yeah? Uh, pity, I think. that That is all you can say. I mean, for me, perhaps the lowest point was uh, the series of interviews she did for local radio mm. a couple of weeks back when she went round and talked to people about how the, the um, energy crisis was being solved and they should trust her. And it was such an abjectly bad set of interviews that you just mm. knew listening to that, that she was doomed. Mm. She had no ability whatsoever. She has no empathy and she has her lack of political skills is actually quite extraordinary. And it is amazing to me that someone with such a lack of talent for reaching out to people and making them want to follow her and feel a sense of mission ever rose to the top. That yeah. is the extraordinary thing, that we created a system where someone like Liz Truss could be Prime Minister is the greatest indictment of our country. Yeah, I listened to the compilation they made and it was annoying and then it was shocking and then it was horrifying and then it was funny and then it was sad and then it was horrific. It was yeah. like watching somebody utterly outmatched. It was like, it was like sending me in to, to fight Tyson Fury. Like, no, just no, please stop. This is this is a hideous spectacle. It's barbaric. And she just was so clearly, I read somebody on Twitter saying she's out of her depth in a wet flannel. And she basically was. Only the problem is that someone didn't send her in. She sent herself in. 
And this is where I lose sympathy and have sympathy with the people who will be struggling to pay their bills next month. I was uh, looking back at an interview she did 30 days ago to the day. Oh, in the early days of her premiership. Her first big interview really after the morning period where uh, Beth Rigby asked her whether she was prepared to be unpopular and she said, yes, I am. Listener, she was not. Who are we predicting as the winner then? Mordant. Yeah. Alex? I'm going to go Mordant as well. I think the whole thing is a bit of theatre. It's going to be Sunak versus Mordant. The second one will pull out. Uh, the MPs will actually go for Mordant this time because they liked her performance standing in for Liz Trust the other day. Um, and she will keep Hunt as her Chancellor, who is the real person in charge. There you go. One does not just walk into Mordant. Thank you for joining me, Roz. Thank you. And Alex. Thank you. We'll be back on Tuesday with the first of two Oh God, What Now's next week. (laughs) Or will we? Maybe sooner. I don't know. Prince Charles is looking a bit peaky. One normal day. That's all we ask for. One normal day. See you next time, whenever that is. 